BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is MRN Crew Call, brought to you by Hercules Tires. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is off and running this year, six races, and it's been some fascinating stories. We've had some new winners with Myatt Snyder and Ty Gibbs. We've had some drivers that we've expected to victory lane with Justin Allgaier getting a win and A.J. Allmendinger. And, well, yeah, we've had that returning champion. He's been to victory lane twice. That is Austin Sindrick. I'm Steve Post, MRN Pit Reporter, and this is Crew Call, brought to you by Hercules Tires, right on our strength. When we look at Austin Sindrick, he picked up wins at Phoenix and at Daytona this year. And, man, it has been impressive to watch him race six races He has had five top five finishes. They have returned to defend their championship in a strong, strong fashion. Calling the shots for Austin Sindrick is Brian Wilson, his crew chief. Brian has an impressive 18-year history at Penske Racing, and he's looking to make more of it this season. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. Joining us this week on Crew Call from Team Penske, he is the championship-winning crew chief for the Xfinity Series with driver Austin Sindrick. Brian Wilson's on the line. Hello, Brian. Welcome into Crew Call. Hey, thanks for having me. That uh, championship crew chief, that sounds pretty good. I like that. It's <laughs> got a ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah. It you, know, you know, it would sound even better, two-time championship Absolutely. crew chief. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Off to a good start so far, but a lot of work to do. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about this. Brian, your background fascinates me. I love generational people. I mean, my dad was a race fan. I became a race fan and figured out a way through radio, how to turn it into a career. We talk all the time about drivers and families that are second generation. You are a second generation race engineer. I mean, is following in dad's footsteps, is that kind of all you had planned as you you saw what he did? Yeah, I mean, I always enjoyed it. My dad, he raced. um, We lived in the Detroit area, so my dad raced. Um, Arca Midgets when I was growing up. Um, I got a go-kart when I was young. So uh, we both realized really quickly that we didn't have the talent to be drivers. So um, my dad had an engineering degree and he was working at GM and, you know, he found a way into the the GM racing group. Um, and through those connections, uh, he was able to move us down south. We moved to uh, to the Asheville area. He worked on the 33 Skull Bandit car when uh, when Robert Presley was, was driving that. So, um, yeah, um, watching him, I always wanted to get into it. Um, there was a conversation I had with him about my sophomore year in, in school where I said, hey, this is what I want to do. And he was like, he basically said, I'll help you all I can, but careful what you wish for. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he's, he's always, he's always kind of given me a fair, uh, fair take on what it's like. Um, but I love what we do. Um, I lean on my dad. I call him before every race. Uh, I call him every Monday. Um, he's my biggest supporter and biggest critic and, and 
I, I definitely would not be here without him. So uh, he's guided me on a lot of the big decisions and, and, you know, any of the struggles that we have, he's a guy that I can go and talk to. It's, it's a huge, huge benefit. Yeah. You, you mentioned you did run carts a little bit up in the Detroit area. Um, and just that uh, apparently that just didn't scratch the itch for you or, you know, just was what you were looking for. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. Um, I actually raced, I started at flat rock, um, and I was not very good at it. Um, plain and simple. You know, my dad, at one point we, we started out with a cheaper cart and then, you know, to see if I could do it, my dad bought the, uh, the previous year's champions cart. And so we knew we had decent equipment and I still wasn't winning races. So, uh, at that point, I mean, we realized that, Hey, maybe this isn't the thing we need to be putting all our time into. Uh, it was also around the same time my dad got that job with GM racing. And so he started traveling, going to all the, the races on the weekends. And, you know, it just kind of became apparent that that wasn't what we were going to do. Uh, we bought dirt bikes and I still ride dirt bikes. Now it kind of became a hobby where we just go trail ride. And um, so that scratches the itch now to where I can at least get out there and, and go to what my limit is. Even if that limit's not far enough to be an actual driver, I can go feel like I'm doing something and finding my limits, you know, and I think that's what it's all about. I think you you moved to the Carolinas. You moved up to Asheville. Your dad's there working on the uh, the, the Robert Presley the thirty three car, and and you're you're making this decision. It seems to me that this was a neat time for engineers and racing because various schools. I know Clemson had a program. You ended up at NC State with a motorsport with an engineering degree. Was that about the time that motorsports and engineering was kind of coming together at some of these universities? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, it, it's funny because my dad, he basically was, you know, the first race engineer that they had at the 33 car. And, you know, he always joked, he was like, well, because I could use a computer, I also booked all the hotels and made sure the travel arrangements were right, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I got to NC State and, you know, I was there um, during a time when a lot of guys, um, you know, were interested in racing. Uh, a lot of schools were starting to do like the Formula SAE and the Baja and all that type of stuff. Um, I was fortunate that when I had that conversation with my dad about wanting to go racing, um, you know, he, he put me in touch with Bill and Frank Kimmel, um, and I was able to go volunteer with those guys. Uh, great place to start. Um, you know, I was there at the same time as Travis Mack and Jeff Stankowitz, a couple other crew chiefs. So uh, we, all, we all obviously soaked it in and, and learned a lot from Bill and Frank. So, um, yeah, it was a great time. Um, obviously, I learned a lot um, going to NC State, but – I learned almost as much. It was almost like getting a master's degree, going and volunteering for a, a race team of that caliber uh, and being able to soak that, that all in. That's really what gave me a, a good start. You know, we, we've talked about this a lot. There's there's the engineer knowledge and the racer knowledge. And, you know, which is more important? Kimmel University. Boy, I bet you got the racer knowledge out of out of out of, out of those guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, so um, similar situation, uh, because I was an engineer, they were like, all right, you're going to learn how to build shocks. Um, so I learned how to build shocks, but because I was in the hauler, they were like, you might as well clean it and restock it while you're out there. So, uh, you do a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, there was only five guys there, I think at that time. So we were the pit crew. Um, you know, I was a tire carrier at that point. Um, so I would sit on top of the pit box right next to bill. Um, we would do the fuel mileage, decide when to pit. Um, I would jump off the box do the pit stop. And, and if anybody screwed up on that pit stop, I was the one that was normally getting punched in the leg or getting the earful from Bill. So um, it was a, it was definitely a, a learning experience, but I mean, you know, you, you look at the level that we, we operated at and Bill and Frank held us to, I mean, 
Um, we always laugh about it. Whenever the garage would open, they expected us to literally run to the hauler to be the first ones to unload because Bill felt like if you do that, you got everybody mentally beat already. So, you know, they were just, they were pushing us at an incredible pace, um, you know, and teaching us all along the way. Um, it, it obviously was a great experience. I love it. I really do. Those, those guys are just incredible racers and uh, what a, what a, what a neat part of your background. So we move into 2004 and you get the opportunity to come to work for Penske racing. I cannot imagine as an engineer to walk into Penske racing. There's the phrase, the kid in the candy store, you bought the candy store chain when you went to Penske racing, that had to be a neat, neat time to move into that operation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember I was actually at Kimmel's before I was able to make that move. And I was reading an article about uh, the 12 team at that point. And, you know, they've got Ryan Newman, who's an engineer. And they're talking about Michael Nelson is an engineer. And their shot guy, Pat Stufflet, is an engineer. And their crew chief is an engineer. And it's like, man, they've just got engineers all over the place, you know. And so then I get to go and I, I work side by side building shocks with Pat Stufflet. And, you know, just learning from a lot of the great guys that were there um, during that time. Uh, Matt Lucas took me under his wing, Derek Stamets. Um, those were a couple of the early engineers that really kind of took me under their wings. And, you know, as a shot guy, I was able to lean on them. And, um, you know, Shane Wilson did a great job with um, pushing me to work at the seven post. Um, we had like 20 dates that we could go and run over there. And, and he basically said, hey, you're a shot guy. I want you to go run our seven post program over there. You've got 20 dates and come back to me with some information and, and recommendations. So, um you know, talk about jumping in the deep end, but I mean, yeah, the amount of tools that we had and the things that I could learn were just amazing. Yeah, you talk about the variety of people. You you were shock specialist. You were on the two team as the engineer, 70, 70. Yeah, you actually spent some time with my buddy, David Stremme. I know uh, uh, we do the Wing Nation program, him and Ashley. That just soaking up that variety of people and experiences for a young engineer, how valuable was that? Yeah, I mean, it. you can't, you can't put a price on how valuable that was. I mean, I, I was able to be around a lot of great guys. Um, I was actually on the, uh, the 77 car when Rodney Childers was there. Um, you know, so uh, Kevin Kidd was on that team. Um, you know, a lot of guys that ended up being crew chiefs, I've, I was fortunate to work around at a very young age. So, you know, you, when you're around guys like that, you just soak it in. It's almost like osmosis. You know, you just can't help but learn something from them and you watch their approach. Um, but, you know, I was also able to be around a lot of the, the older school guys that, you know, came from the rusty days and, you know, guys like, you know, Jeffrey Thousand and, and Tom Hoke and, you know, guys that had so much information and knowledge. And, you know, you learn from those guys, just their approach and how to be a professional and what it means to, to really, you know, everyone says, well, you got to work hard and you got to, you know, make good decisions, but you don't know what that is until you see it. You don't know what the level is of working hard until you're around really good guys. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I was very fortunate to be around great guys when I started. Gosh, you mentioned Jeffrey Thousand. If it's happened in NASCAR, he was there. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. I mean, just unreal. And, and that experience is amazing. So, so you have all of these various experiences with different people. And then in 2010, you're paired off with Paul Wolf. Paul is the crew chief on the Xfinity side. You're paired up as the race engineer. A year later, you moved to cup side, you win championships. As much as the value of working with a variety of people is important, getting that relationship with Paul Wolf, what what all was the what what all was the, the the key to that? Yeah, so at that time, I'd been a race engineer for a while. Um, I was fortunate enough to win a couple races with Kurt Busch, um, but it had hit a point where, you know, I don't know that I was really advancing the way that I wanted to. I wasn't really learning the things I wanted to learn. 
And for whatever reason, I got with Paul Wolf and we just clicked. Our approaches were very similar. Um, you know, the way we talked about things, the way we looked at things, it was very similar. And just being able to work side by side with him and, and watch the way that he does things and how he makes decisions and when he says yes to things and when he says no, it, it just, you know, that really is what I base everything I do as a crew chief on. Um, you know, I really learned, he was, he was nice because, you know, I shouldn't say nice. He was exceptional in the fact that he really opened his notebook more and more to me throughout the years to where I could see how he was doing things and how things were managed. So, um, you know, we had talked early on that I wanted to get to this point of being a crew chief and he kept giving me more and more responsibility. And so I really, you know, I owe a ton to Paul. Um, he, he really helped me get to this point. Was it was it Paul's notebook and your experience next to next to him that gave you the confidence in 2016 when when you were handed the keys to an Xfinity Series team? That was it all of that that put you in a spot where you felt like it was time and you could handle the gig? Yeah, for sure. So for probably the last three years that I worked with Paul, um, I would kind of gauge myself. Anytime there was a decision to be made, I would kind of say, okay, what would I do, and then just watch what Paul did and you know, kind of grade myself. Am I ready? Am I making, you know, half of the decisions correctly? And and how did I progress along and to the point where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm making a lot of these decisions pretty well. Um, I think I'm at a point where I probably could do this. And, you know, at that point, I just kind of raised my hand and said, hey, the next opportunity that comes up, I really would like to be able to do it. So, um, you know, it still was a little bit rocky when we started. Um, you know, it didn't run exactly how we wanted to right out of the gate. But, um, a lot of the approach that I use now is still the same approach I was using then. It just had to get refined. We had to get the cars a little bit better. And, um, you know, a lot of what I do is still based on what I learned from Paul and watching him and, and kind of, you know, gauging myself. So you're, so you're rolling along 2016, 2017, you're the crew chief on the Xfinity series program. And along comes this kid, Austin Sendrick. Okay. And we, we all understand Austin has a pedigree in racing. His dad, Tim is the president there. His mom, his grandfather is, is, is Jim uh, Truesdale owner of mid Ohio. So he has this pedigree and we kind of sort of know he's, if he has the talent, he's the future of Penske racing or part of the future to be given the opportunity and the challenge and to, to work and to hone Austin, what did, what did that mean to you? And what was the challenge like when you, when you knew that he was going to be your driver? Yeah. So obviously, you know, up until that point, I'd been working with a lot of the cup drivers, but you know, you look at it and those guys were all paired up with exceptional crew chiefs that had been in the Xfinity series who had done all the things that I was doing at that point. And it, it was pretty obvious, like, okay, I've got to, I've got to find my driver that I'm going to work with. Um, <clears throat> you know, if this is going to happen for me to move up. So um, when they when they said, hey, this is the guy that we're going to try to develop, um, I took it as a huge compliment and a, a huge opportunity. So, you know, that was my initial reaction to it. Um, then when I started talking to Austin, you know, the initial challenges were, like you said, his background was not necessarily in stock cars. So, you know, early on, we spent a lot of time at the simulator, a lot of time just talking about, okay, you know, here's, here's what this change is. Here's what that change is. When we say this term, this is what we mean. And, and trying to build that language because every driver has a different language. You know, they're all subtly different when they say, you know, I, I'm loose on exit or I need side bite. It's the same thing, but they're saying it different ways. So, you know, getting that, getting that communication down was the first step. Uh, but then really we had to go and we had to try a lot of different things to get him comfortable in the car because um, he's got a different feel and what he's looking for compared to the cup drivers that I've worked with before. 
Um, fortunately, we've been able to hit on it and, and really give him what he needs. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of uh, a lot of work. Um, you know, it's funny I didn't even realize it, but it's all, it's this is our sixth year working together. You know, we we did a we did a race together at Kentucky, you know, five seasons ago. So I mean, we've uh, we've got a lot of years behind us, a lot of communication. So um, it's definitely been a work in progress, but it's one that I'm really proud of. You mentioned here, here's, I, I'm very fortunate when it comes to Austin in that I remember when him and Tim rolled into the Bandolero track over at Charlotte. And so for whatever reason, he's one of those kids I followed. And then Ford, when they were all looking for spots and Brad had a truck and Brad didn't have a truck, they put him on off-road racing and sports car racing and everything else. Man, the kid came to you with all kinds of great experience other than stock cars at that point. So that, that he, he has a lot, he had a strong skill set when he walked in the door over there. He did. He did. And, you know, I think the area that that pays off the most is he's not the type of guy that says, hey, this is how I want to drive the corner. Uh, before he gives me feedback on the car, he'll try every technique that he's got in his bag of tricks. And because of driving so many different types of cars, he's got a lot of different ways to approach a corner. So um, he'll really he'll try everything he can in the car before he comes to me and says, hey, we need to work on this. So uh, that's probably the biggest strength that he, he brought from all the different disciplines that he was in. Uh, but like I said, he also, because of that, he has a lot of different terminology and ways to describe things and um, what he's looking for. So I've had to go through a bit of a learning curve to know when he says something, what he, what's he looking for, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the language, it's, it's, we've always talked about the crew chief driver is like a marital relationship. It's, it, it's, it's that and more at times for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we're four months or five months or whatever it is removed, but winning that championship, I am telling you for, for yourself uh, to be able to accomplish that you'd been part of championship teams before as a, as a race engineer, but that, that had to be pretty much uh, pretty much a pretty big moment for you, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, like I said, when I first started crew chiefing, there was still a lot of work that had to be done. And that first year didn't necessarily go the way that I wanted it to. Um, so it's it's kind of been a, a you know, an advent, adventure to get to this point. Um, it's been a lot of fun. But, you know, just seeing the team build, seeing Austin build, um, you know, that's I really enjoy that. I, I enjoy the team building aspect. I, I like being around the guys. And we've got a lot of young guys on the team as well that haven't been a part of championships and you know, they're just getting their feet wet on, on winning races. So, um, you know, to see their excitement, to see them gain confidence, um, you know, walking into Daytona, it was, there wasn't a cockiness. I wouldn't say that, but there was a confidence with my guys where it's like, Hey, we've been there, we've done it. You know, we know what we're doing. Um, you, you know, there's that confidence that comes when you know what to expect. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's incredible to see that. I was almost more happy for my guys than I was for myself, but for me personally, it was, it was kind of a relief and vindication of, okay, yes, I can do all the things that I, I thought we were going to be able to do with this program, you know? And you have a unique situation. Not, not often in the Xfinity series does a, does a team driver crew chief return. The, the nature of the series is that it's, it, it's moving on, and, and a lot of times the champion moves on, or, or as we saw with, uh, with uh, Tyler Reddick, moved to a different team, which, well, you know, so, so you have this opportunity to come back a second year. How do you, do you, do you do a comparison to last year? Do you, do you look at, Hey, we did this the first five races. How do you, how do you, how do you go and fine tune even on what you did last year? Yeah, I think fine tune is the right way to say it. So, you know, the first thing that I did is I, I went to every person that I possibly could. I talked to Ford. I talked to all of our managers. I talked to any other crew chiefs. I talked to everyone I could this offseason 
just to find anywhere that they felt like, hey, this is what Austin needs to be ready to go cup racing. This is what I need. This is what the team needs. So, you know, you start out with this off-season study of what, hey, throw stones at us. Give us any little nitpick that you can find. And, you know, we'll try to work on it. So, you know, we, we had a pretty good list of things that we wanted to, to make sure we focused on um, both with Austin and the team. Then, like you said, I mean, you compare back to last year and, you know, obviously, you know, you look at where we were last year in points and we're ahead of where we were in points. We're ahead of where we were in wins, uh, playoff points. So, you know, we're checking all those boxes. Um, but a lot of times those are you know, kind of the end result. Um, the, the main thing that you care about is making sure you've got the speed, making sure that you're competitive, make sure you're running well. And we want to make sure we do that week in and week out. So, you know, a race like last weekend where we didn't necessarily run how we wanted to, that really stings. And it's funny because the, the previous races, we had a string of top fives going. And, you know, you would think on the surface, man, it looks like a great season, but you have that one week where you don't run well. And it's like, ah, that's we're, we're trying to hold ourselves to a higher standard than that, you know? So, um, just trying to make sure everyone does that, but you can't let that be something that beats you. You can't get so wrapped up in it that, hey, you, you realize in racing, it, it'll humble you really quick and, and you're going to have your bad weeks. So, you know, we rebounded from it quick. We try to learn as quickly as we can, but, um, you know, trying to just operate at a higher level than what we did last year, it's, it's tough to do, but um, that, that's kind of what you have to do if you want to be prepared for Cup. Well, I think the good news is, is comparing to last year, you won at Phoenix. Um, that's obviously important. It, it, it's, it's obviously important. Now, we're not, we're not uh, checking you into the Final Four, but uh, that, that just has to be nice to win at that racetrack, knowing that if you do it again in the fall or you run well in the fall, you could, you could you'd claim the big prize. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the nice thing is we went there and we knew we were in an opportunity to try something. So we tried something a little bit different on the setup um, and it still still produced a win. So, you know, I feel really good that our notebook got bigger. Um, we've got some decisions to make, but, you know, which way, way do we want to go um, for the fall race? But yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a huge win to get. Um, obviously, a lot of guys ran really well and they were right there on us. So, you know, if we are fortunate enough to get to the final four, it's going to be a heck of a race. But um, you know, I feel really good about getting that win. That's one of those that's kind of a statement win, even if you don't dominate it. It's like, hey, we're still a team that if we get there, you're going to have to go through us to win the championship. You know, we know Austin's future. Okay, we know that it's this year in the Xfinity Series and the Wood Brothers, and and that's a unique situation where you know the guy that you know he's he's been saying hold patience here, do do this, do that, and everything, um, and and it's none of our business where you got you and your guys are at, but to me it's like everybody on this program has a great opportunity this year to charter their course wherever it might be by just continuing to pull the rope in the same direction, and 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 you're leading that. Is, is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, like we talked about before, it, it sometimes it can be tough to repeat as a champion. Yeah. But when you've got that carrot kind of dangling out there of, hey, if you guys do well, there is something you can earn. You could earn the chance to move up with Austin. So, you know, that's out there for everyone on this team. Um, you know, and it makes it easier to motivate everybody. You know, I, it's very easy for me to have conversations with my guys like, all right, you did a great job at the Xfinity level. If you want to be at the cup level, here's what we have to do. So uh, it's very easy to, to have that motivation out there, that carrot kind of dangling out there. So um, yeah, we're all looking at it as a great opportunity. We're working with a great driver. Um, we should have a great year this year. And um, however things shake out for next year, you know, obviously we all would love to, to move up with him. 
but however things shake out, we know that it's a great opportunity to try to prove ourselves once again this year and, and continue to improve. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I like to, uh, just to step back away from all of this, Brian, the job of a race engineer. Okay. What, what is, um, what is the race engineer's duties? What, it, what is he watching? And, and what are the, what is a race engineer's job? Yeah. So I think it depends on what the crew chief is. And so the easiest way to explain it is the, the crew chief might be like a head coach where, um, you know, the race engineer is like an assistant coach. And we all know that in football, sometimes the assistant coach might call the plays and the other times the head coach calls the plays. It just depends on what they're comfortable with and what the strengths and weaknesses are. So, um, you know, in my situation with Paul, um, a lot of what I did was study the strategy really hard. Um, you know, I, I really looked at the trends in the setups and tried to make suggestions. Uh, but Paul's really strong with setups. So he had an idea, hey, this is where I want to start. But a lot of times it was, okay, well, um, this left rear spring looks like a good change for us in practice and making recommendations to him. So, um, you know, ultimately in that situation, I knew that it was his, his final call. Um, but I wanted to be able to say, hey, here's some things that I'm thinking about that might make us a little bit better that we could try. Uh, and really, it just comes down to, you know, taking the notes, studying the notes, studying for trends, um, you know, listening to the driver and, and, um, and trying to trying to make the best recommendations that you can. So uh, that was what my role was. Well, final question for you, we'll go a little lighthearted here on this one. One of the things that um, COVID impacted was um, Austin's mom coming to the racetrack. Okay. But I believe she still might be sending the cookies. Okay. What is, what are the, what are the favorite cookies there that uh, Austin mom makes for the team? I I just think that's neat. What's, 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 what's her best, what's her best cookie? Man, that's tough to, that's tough to choose. They, uh, let me just say this. Every time that a box of cookies shows up, they don't last long. So it really doesn't matter what type they are. Um, You know, it's funny because she'll change it depending on what the season is and what's going on. And they're, they're awesome. So yeah, anytime that a special delivery comes in with the pit crew on race morning, it's a, it's a good thing to see show up. So yeah, it's awesome. I guess. Neat, neat stuff. That is for sure. The Cindric, certainly wonderful people and uh, love watching what's happening with their boy, Austin. That is for sure. Well, Brian, I appreciate you taking some time and joining us here on Crew Call. Great to know a little bit of your backstory and, 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 and see what's going on in the here and now as well. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. I enjoyed it. There we go. Brian Wilson, crew chief up at Team Penske on the Xfinity Series with driver Austin Cindric. For decades, Dryden Lubricants has been made in America and made to last, paving the way on our highways, in our fields, and on the production line. Today, Dryden offers a complete line of engine oils, greases, hydraulic and transmission fluids, and diesel exhaust fluid. If you want greater performance and protection for your critical engines and equipment, go to Dryden.com. Dryden, American-owned and operated, and a proud supporter of racing and race fans everywhere. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best.
Always love talking with Brian Wilson and introducing you to some of the men and women who work in the NASCAR garage. NASCAR is quiet this weekend for the Easter weekend. Want to mention to you our friends at Drydeen, a complete line of engine oils, greases, hydraulic and transmission fluids, and diesel exhaust fluids. Drydeen, American-owned and operated and proud supporter of racing and race fans everywhere. So, with the NASCAR schedule off this weekend for the Easter weekend, gives you a chance to just log on to MRN.com and see what we have there from the stories to the various podcasts, to classic races. It is a great spot. And this weekend, we'd love to have you check us out at MRN.com. Thanks again to Brian Wilson from Team Penske for joining us. But more important than all of that, thank you for joining us here on Crew Call by Hercules Titans.